Whew. Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be starting with the Mishnah on Samach Vav in Maseches Yuma. Um, but we're going to catch up. We had a long weekend and chasnas and trips, and I get a Mazel Tov because I no longer have to sleep over in New York, although I still have to drive there. Uh, but we're going to take care of that. Andrew wants me to take care of that. But let's review a little bit what went on over the weekend. I want to set the scene before we read the Mishnah because the Mishnah's in the middle of the page. We, have, we do have a little bit of extra time. Uh, but as I promised Andrew, we're going to get to the end of Samach Vav Bezrat Hashem. I want to go over that list because it's very good to do Chazara. And that is uh, the partial list of the Avodas that the Kohen Gadol does on Yom Kippur as follows in the base of Mikdash. First, he says his... Well, in, in this partial list um, that, that Rashi has on Daf Mem, Ahmed Aleph, the Kohen Gadol will say his first vidui over the par. Then he's going to do the, right, the lottery, the goral, for the seer Lashem and seer Hamishtaleach. Then he's going to say a second vidui over his par, and then he shechts his par. The reason I'm also reviewing it is because a lot of it is relevant to our Mishnah today, because we're going to be continuing with the Seir HaMishtalech today. That's our new parak. And in the first, now you'll notice, first he does the, right, the par. And then he has, right, the Seir. Now the par, as you see, we had a discussion. The par, we had a machlokis. What is that? Who is that mechaper for? Well, technically, well, basically, the par is mechaper for the kohen gadol and his family and the kohanim. Later on, right? He, so now, so that when he has the seir, that's going to be the mishdaleach is going to be mechaper on re, the rest of Klai Yisrael for Shar Averos. We're going to see in our Mishnah how, how that's recorded. But in any event, he's going to do then the vidui, the second vidui. So we're going to start in our Mishnah. There's going to be a discussion about which the first vidui for the, over the par is versus the second vidui, right, um, over the seir. Anyway, then he does the incense. We discussed that at great length last parak. He brings it into the Kodesh Kadashim and burns it. Then he applies the blood of the par in front of the kaporis. Then he shechts the seir Hashem, and then he uh, applies the seir's blood in front of the kaporis, so the par's blood and the seir's blood, as we discussed, multiple applications uh, from the par and from the seir. We discussed what happens if he spills, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, if he spills some of the blood on the way of either the par or the seir, then he puts the blood of the par in the heichal in front of the paroches, right? So he goes outside of the Kodesh Kadashim. Then he puts the blood of the seir in the heichal in front of the paroches, so the par first, then seir, right? It's kohanim, and then israelim, right? And then he mixes the blood of the par and the blood of seir, applies some of the mixture to the enemy's back. We talked about the machlokes, Rabbi Yossi Aglili, Rabbi Akiva, is he turning left, is he turning right? Uh, where is he standing? Um, I had a chasana, Last night, I heard from the great Daf Yomi master, Rabbi Dr. Josh Stern of the Agud of Passaic, um, who claims that your cousin, wait, nephew, Rabbi Glazer, Glasser, your nephew, your nephew, Rabbi Glasser, Barry's nephew, is a Talmud Muvak in Rabbanus of the great Rabbi Usher Brander from Los Angeles, and that his first few years of, t- of giving uh, speeches 
uh, drushas, he called Rabbi Asher Baranda before every drusha. And coincidentally, I met for the first time in 30 years since I last saw her, uh, the former Batya Lahasky's sister, Devorah Lahasky, who's now married, she's divorced something else. She lives, uh, I think, in Tinek, and she is Usher Brander's sister-in-law. Anyway, it was a big Usher Brander shout out last night. Anyway, so Josh Stern said, remember we said um, that when, when um, the parochis was found in Rome, remember that story? And they saw the, bl- the splatter of the blood so he, so he didn't see the answer anywhere. He gives duff. He didn't see the answer anywhere as to how the blood, remember one of the shittas is that when you apply the blood uh, outside in the, in, in the, from the Mizbeach, uh, apnimi, you have to stand on the other side of the Mizbeach for, for the final hazas. And so he said he could tell that some of them were by Kohanim because it had a pattern. Some of them were when he's standing in front of the parochas, and some of them that didn't have a pattern must be that he, those were the applications from behind the Mizbech. And he pointed out that it's physically impossible to throw the blood from 20 amas away, even if you tried and get it to land on, on the parochas. And then he finally saw a source. I forgot where he saw the source. Oh, Ravel Yashav Sefer. Ravel Yashav Sefer on Mesechas Yuma points out this is impossible. It's, it's physically impossible. So the sugyas that say that you can't spritz the blood, in other words, the, the sugyas that say that it was not, that, that the blood was from on the other side of the Mizbech, don't stim. They're physically incompatible with the sugyas that say that he found the parochis with the blood on it from those outside zrikos, because that is physically impossible. Uh, also, over Shabbos, I got a chance to hear Dr. Kelman, and he was talking about Shlita, and he was talking about how so many of these halachas are not found in the Rambam, the last few uh, dapim, and that's because of this imprecision, right? We have, the Rambam's precise, he only writes essentially what he knows. Sometimes he'll say, Nira Lee, he'll say, I think, and that's when he thinks strongly. But, as we, as we noted, we had multiple Tukohanim, who we tried to recall, did you walk right, did you walk left? And they said two different recollections. So there's so much indecision, or I should say, um, uh, we don't know, right, um, exactly how some of these things happened. We weren't there, the Kohen Gadol was there, so most of Klali Israel wasn't there. And so with the things where we don't know where he stood, and where we have Machlokas, where he put it, where he stood, what he did, uh, the Ramam just doesn't write it, because he's only gonna write what he knows for sure. Uh, Hashem, all these answers, all these questions will be answered soon. Okay, so over the weekend, now that we mixed the blood and you applied some of it to the inner Mizbeach, uh, then we said you go out and you pour it out in the outer Mizbeach. Now, as we pointed out, the um, Seir, right, if you spill the blood, so as we just noted, if you spill the blood of the par, so we, we noted the shita that you have to shecht the power again. That was a machlokis. And how did they read the pasuk? Right? Um, of chatas. Do you shecht the, do you shecht the new animal or do you not shecht the new animal? But if you, she, if you have to shecht a new power, so that's fine. But if you have to shecht a new seir, la Hashem, so now you have to do a goral all over again. Because now you have a seir la Hashem and a seir la Azazel. Okay, you need to do a goral again because that seir comes in pairs. He has his seir hamishtalech that comes with him. 
And the question that we discussed last three blood over the weekend was, what do you do with the Sierra Mishtalech? Now that you've done it twice, you have two of them. Do you use the first or do you use the second? That was a big discussion. And also, we did some Chazara over the weekend of Shkalim. Because what do you do when you have two of them? So let's, let's say, right, so we saw that was a machlokus. Do you use the first one? Do you use the second one? But let's say uh, you decided that you use the second one. So what do you do with the first seer? So we know sometimes you let leave an animal out to graze in pasture and you wait to, for it to become a mum. Sometimes you could use it next year, like for in Shkalim, the Shekel, you can use the follow, for the following year or for the infrastructure of your Shalayim. Sometimes in rare occasions, but in certain cases of carbon chattas, you have to starve the animal to death because we're so concerned about takala, right? We're so concerned that you're going to misappropriate this animal and you're going to have, uh, it's going to be subject to me'ila. And so the question was, what do you do with the seir? And that was really a very uh, compl- complex topic. And that was, in fact, the topic, uh, the first topic of our parak in terms of uh, what to do with the seir hamishtaleach. But with all of that introduction in mind, we now arrive at the mission on Samach Vavam Aleph, and we continue with our avoda. So we just poured the blood down the drain, and we're ready to continue sprinkling, right? Um, after we just finished the sprinkling and pouring it down the drain, we're ready to go back to the Seir HaMishtaleach. Rashi, in fact, joins everything together. So the Mishnah starts with Balo Etzel Seir HaMishtaleach. After having poured this blood down the drain, he comes over to the Seir HaMishtaleach, says Rashi, Hashta Hadar Tana Right, the Tana, now that we've just discussed, even Rashi has to like reframe and get our head back in the game to say, now we're back into the Seder Avoda. He says, Right, just like we just read in the previous parak, we finished uh, pouring the blood down the drain. Now we're coming up to the Seir Mishaleach. Where is he this whole time? Right, as we said in the previous parak, he's now rejoining him exactly um, where he left him, which was standing by the Shar Niknor. After he had, uh, in other words, after he had done the Goyrol, he left him by Shar Nikanar, and we've spent a few, right, quite a few, uh, a couple of weeks discussing what goes on with all the Qataris and with all the uh, sprinkling of the blood and all the everything. This entire time, this Seir Mishlech has been standing by the Shar Nikanar, and here he goes. He approaches the Seir Mishlech, and the Mishnah continues, the Somech Shte Yadavalav and Misvade puts both his hands on him and does the video. Your nation, Am Chabes Yisrael, did the Chataim. He says, You should give Kapara to the Chataim, to all the Chataim, Avonis and Pshaim. Why over here he says Chataim first and over there he says Chataim last? Uh, in, interesting sequence that different different uh, sequence from what's re- that what was recorded in Lamed Hay and on Malif, but that's um, that's neither here nor there for now. Um, the bottom line is he had already said his right vidui over the par that was for the for Kohanim first for the Kohen Gadol and his household then all the Kohanim and now he's going to say it uh, for Klal, all of Klal Yisrael as this nusach reflects. 
right? As it says, Vishavu, Vishapashul, Fanecha, Amcha Beis Yisrael. Right? These are all the Chataim that all of Kal Yisrael did. Kakatu, Vitaras, Mashav, Decha, Lehemar, Kiva Yom, Hazei, Chaper, Lechem, Lateher, Schem, Mikal Chata, Sechem, Lifnei Hashem, Titaru. Right? You're going to be Mechaper on you from all your Veros, and all of this should be, the Tahar should be Lifnei Hashem. Over here, and then Vakwanim Vaam Haumdim Bazara, Kshayushamim Shemim Forosh, and when they would hear the Shem Forosh, we're gonna discuss the standing over there, Shehu Yotzeh Mipi Kohen Gadol, that the Kohen Gadol was saying a Shem Forosh, Ayu Korim Mishtachavim Vanaflim Apnehem Vomrim, Baruch Shem Kvar Machuso Laolam Vaed. They said his name forever and ever. This is straight out of Yishai Rebo's Seder Havoda, this part of the Mishnah. And uh, Rabbi Gross discusses the idea of saying it out loud. Obviously, we only do that loud on Yom Kippur, as we know. And that is the ceremony of the Vidui on the Seir Hamishtaleach. Okay, so that's the Vidui. Then, says the Mishnah, he hands, this is Mishayam Olicho. Now, right, the only vote up until now was with the Kohen Gadol. But there is a dude who has to Walk him over. What? Yeah, it's the Ish Iti. Exactly. As the Pasuk says, the Pasuk tells you this. Let's read the Pasuk, Andrew says. This is when they were in the Mishkan. They did it already then. As Andrew points out, he sends them. So even already in the Midbar, they sent them to the Ish Iti in the Midbar to take out the Seir Mishtalech there. Why is he called the Ish Iti? Who is this Ish Iti? We will discuss uh, today already. Okay. Why can't Aaron do it himself? He's a busy guy. He's got more to do, and he's been fasting, and he's been up all night, and we're not going to send him out into the desert. That's not a thing. As, as we will see tomorrow... Not today, but tomorrow. There were 10 sukkos. He had to walk. This person is going to have to walk now uh, 12 mil uh, to the cliff. It's, about, it, it's 12 mil from the base of Mikdash to the cliff. So this is, this is not something that the Kohen Gadol, who's very busy, is, uh, when he's fasting and doing the Avod Sayyam, is going to do in the, in the desert, walk 12 mil. It's not. And, and we're also going to see this person that goes all the way out. Issues of Tchumim back to Ervin and things of that nature are, is he going to be able to walk back? Uh, because remember, it's going, the 12 mil is a lot. You can't, not supposed to do that. What if Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos? Does it matter if it falls out on Shabbos? This is coming attractions. Anyway, he passes it over to the, to, to the Misha Yom Alicha, the Ish Iti, as, as Andrew describes him, uh, as per the Pasuk in the Torah. Now, who, who is he? Hakol Ksheyun Lalicha. Even a Zar could do this. It doesn't even have to be a coin. However, there was a minog uh, that they used to have that the Kohen Gadol would not let a non-Kohen do it. To which, Arsala once did it, and he was a non-Kohen. So either that's a, uh, a data point that the Kohanim were unsuccessful or that the Kohanim, in fact, did allow, right? Maybe he's arguing with the Tanakam, he says that's not true. The Kohanim did allow the non-Kohanim to do it. Be that as it may, it can be maker din done by a non-Kohen. In fact, 
even even um, right mehudar to do it. There's no there's no Indian other than the Kohanim like to give it to a coin. There was once um, right Anyam Kippur uh, towards the end by the Ela Psicha. There there's a there's a hak as to whether you give the Kohanim that are already up there duchening the Psicha uh, or not. And it's a long story, but I was once. Um, Privy, I was I was once gabai in Ramat Beit Shemesh, and um and I and I was asked about this minhag, and in a different shul in a different town, not in Israel, there was once a fist fight over this question. But the the, the issue is the Kohanim are already there, so is it like a lack of their kavod to get somebody else who's non kohen to do the psicha? That would be the question because they're already there, so like you're bypassing the kohen, uh, so that is a more defensible minhag. Than this, this, you know, it's not, I mean, anybody can really come and walk this ear hamishlech over to the cliff. Anyway. You call it a minhag, but doesn't, we say that the basin of the Kohanim decided that? You're saying. It was much stronger than just a minhag. That's, that's interesting. Barry points out that it says, Asu gedolim keva. So I think what Barry is saying is that the Mishnah is making it sound like there's a bezdin of Kohanim that are doing it. Um, right. By the way, first of all, why does it say Asu Hakohanim Gedolim Keva? Does the Bezdin Kohen Gadols? So no, Rashi takes out his version just says Asu Hakohanim Keva. Um, so yeah, their court would not permit that. That's what Rashi says, the Bezdin, that they function in the base of Mikdash. So, so Barry says this is stronger than a Minhag. I guess it depends how strong you think a Minhag is. Because again, a Minhag, uh, right. So a minhag is, you're saying, is something that doesn't have halachic bearing. This is even stronger because it was mandated by a bezin of Kohanim. That's one way, right? So, so I guess it was stronger than minhag in one way. On the other hand, if you didn't do it, so what are you violating? This is not a bezin like a Sanhedrin when they're making a darabonon, right? You're not violating anything. This is, I don't know if it was authoritatively, halachically authoritative. Maybe it was. Um, I, I would say it's less than fully halachically authoritative because it sounds like the mission is saying hakol k'sherin lalicho. That real, in other words, when the lashon, when the lashon, when the mission says hakol k'sherin lalicho ela she'asu gedolim keva, it's saying that certainly meikar din it's okay. So you're saying what is the status of the authority of these kohanim who are making a sort of like a bezdin to not allow? That's a that's a it's a good it's a good point. Okay, so be that as it may, when they used to walk it out, so you know, like when they walk out. Lahavdil, um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, a you know, one one of these uh, behemoths gets ejected from a, from a game, and they escort him out. And the opposing fans, you know, throw paper on it and, and boo him out of the out of the arena. So uh, they had a similar thing with regards to Sier Mishalech, because Sier Mishalech represented all the averes to Klal Yisrael. So they're like, boo, get him out of here, get all of our averes out of here. So in order to protect. The person who's walking the Sierra Mishdalach or the Sierra Mishdalach to make sure that they come out of there and make it to the cliff in one piece, they used, they made, they protected him by making a ramp elevated from the crowd, as the Mishnah continues to describe. The Kevesh Asulo, they made a ramp, an elevated walkway leading out from, right, the Chatzar all the way to the, to outside where it's safe. Mipneha Bavlim. So they say, because of the Babylonians, Shri Metalshim Besar of Omrim Lo, so literally the Bavliim, right, those, right, those, those thugs used to 
it's unclear. Are they pulling at the hair of the Ish Iti or are they pulling at the hair of the Siyam Ishlech? Either way, we're trying to protect him. And they're saying, Tolvetzeh, Tolvetzeh. They're basically booing him out of the building, right? And they're saying, hurry up, hurry up. Get out of here with your Averos, really, with our Averos that you represented in. We're going to discuss this concept of Bavliim. Why does it mean by Babylonians? But we proceed with the Gemara now as follows. The Gemara says, The Gemara says like this, right? When the Kohen Gadol is, meant, is doing the confessional, right? The Vidui, the second Vidui over the Siyar Mishtalach, right? He does not mention as he did um, in his previous Vidui, um, the Bnei Aaron, the Kohanim. So says the Gemara, Man Tana. Who is this Tana like? So this harkens back to a few blot ago when we had the Machlokas as to which parts, uh, what the Seir Mishleach is Mechaperan versus what the, uh, this was Rav Shimon, right, versus Rabbi Yehuda. Is the Seir Mishleach Mechaperan, Klaiso, Kok, Sharavonos, and the Kohanim? Or is it only Mechaper uh, um, on the, right, on, on, on the rest of Klai Israel? As follows, Amar Rabbi Yirmiya, the Loka Rabbi Yehuda. This is not like Rabbi Yehuda. The Ikar Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Yeshleim Kapar B'Siyar Mishalech. Rabbi Yehuda's shita was that the Kohanim also have Kapar. This was in Daf Samach Aleph. We said Rabbi Yehuda holds that the the Kohanim also get Kapar from the Siyar Mishalech. Right? The Rav Shimon over there held that the Shar of Eros of only Klal Yisrael are on the Siyar, and the Kohanim get it from the Vidui on the Par. When he says the Vidui on the Par, that's when they get the Kapara for Shar, that's where the Kohanim get the Kapara for Shar of Eros. That was the Shitos Rabbi Shimon. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda held that the Kohanim also get the Kapara for Shar of Eros from the Sierra Mishtalech. So when we have this Vidui over here, and we see that the Vidui and the Sierra Mishtalech is only referencing, um, is only referencing the Shar, Klal Israel, that is the Shitos Rabbi Shimon over here. Okay. So Abaye, however, Abaye says, I feel the tamer of Rabbi Yehuda. It could also be the shoot of Rabbi Yehuda. Why? Atukhanim lav beklalim chay Yisrael ninu. In other words, we are saying, uh, referencing Shar Klal Yisrael, and certainly the Kohanim are are included in that, right? In that. So just because in the first vidui he mentions the Kohanim doesn't mean that they're not included in the second vidui. And therefore, Abayah's point is that the nusach of the vidui does not necessarily imply shitas Rabbi Shimon. It does not necessarily, it's not machria whether the Kohanim are included in the Get Kapar from Sier Mishtalech or not, because Amcha Yisrael certainly could include the Kohanim as well. Okay, so continuing, the Mishnah had said, Masrud Lamishim Malichal, Isha Iti. So, Taner Abanan, Ish, it said, when it said, Ish Iti is described as Ish Iti. So, Ish, Lahachshir Es Hazar, right? That's, we have a Zer Sakasav, so to speak, that Azar could be the one to do this task. And Iti, what does Iti mean? As we turn to some of base, Shiem Zuman, right? Like Itim, Itim Uzmanim, that he has to be, right, designated. You don't just pick, before Yom Kippur, you don't just pick him on the spot. Uh, that's not the only thing you learn from Iti. You learn also Iti Vafilu B'Shabbos, that the Sila Zazel, even if Yom Kippur falls out on a Shabbos, you go all the way out of the Tchum to the cliff uh, on Shabbos, or Iti Vafilu B'Tuma, and even if he's betuma, which is to say, big chiddush, right? Don't, don't, uh, you might recall that when we do all of these avodas inside the heichal and inside the mikdash, those are all for, right, um, isurim of tumah b'mikdash. And so ironically, if the only person or the ish iti that was designated is tame, he could still go in betuma, 
right? If, if, if he was so designated and go and get the seir, right? Hamishtaleach, uh, regardless of the fact that he was already tame, that is a gzer sakasav. Wow. So the Gemara says, ish lachshir sazar, pshita. Well, obvious. Why would you think that otherwise? Why would you think that you need a coin for this? So the Gemara says, In other words, yeah, it's a very valid havamina because the fact that we know that Sir Mishalech is mechaper, and we also know that korbanos in principle are what are mechaper, so it's the same thing. So just like we need Kohanim to do the avoda, which is mechaper for us, so this is, this is not technically avoda in the in the base of mikdash, but it is the avoda nonetheless in the sense that it's mechaper for us. So of course it's a very valid havamina. So much so that I think, uh, judging by Andrew's face, although you can never know, he is a riddle uh, shrouded in mystery and wrapped in um, in amb- ambiguity. But I think Andrew is perplexed by the by by this notion that there be a havamina that the coin couldn't do it. You thought that it makes a perfect sense that this havamina the coin should do it because after all it is kapara. This this havamina resonates with you strongly. Okay, um, be that as it may, we have the havamina, but we have the pasuk to take us out of that havamina and to say that even a czar could take could take the uh, the goat out. Anyway. Pasuk says, Iti, vafilu b'shabbos. So what's this idea of Shabbos? Says, ask the Gemara, what, what is the halacha of Shabbos? What will be the malacha of taking out the seir hamishtaleach? Right, Rashi points this out. Right, l'may hechasa, the, the last of the first series of wide lines. Ma'achil Shabbos yesh, shehutzrach lehatiro. What would be the malacha? Im shem tchumen derabana ba'aman inu. We discussed in Erevin, the very beginning and the very end of Erevin, was, you know, Ashita's, I think Rabbi Akiva that Tchumim Daraisa. Okay, Shugazur Aleim Lachar Matan Torah. But Rashi gives a um, uncharacteristic historical lesson here that the Tchumim are in fact Darabanan. They're after Matan Torah. Don't forget the pasuk we just read of the Siyum Shalech was already in the Mishkan with Aaron a coin. So what would be the Malacha there? Okay, what? Why do you need to learn that Ish Iti could do it on Shabbos? As it says the Gemara, Amar of Sheishes Lo Marshim Hayacholem Interesting thing. Yes, the is, the Isra would be Hotza, right? The Isra would be, but this is to um, to exclude the Shita that we learned. This is hearkening back to Shabbos and Erevin. The Shita is Rabbi Nassan. What was the Shita? Says the Gemara. Come on, the Lok Rabbi Nassan, right? The idea is to exclude this Shita of Rabbi Nassan. You might recall that Rinasan said that you could walk your animal because a chai is no setsatsmo. But more than that, because the animal is no setsatsmo, you can carry an animal, right? So let's say I'm carrying out a, a monkey, <laughs> whatever. So let's say I am in Costa Rica and I'm carrying out a monkey. So the monkey is like hugging you, right, as you're carrying it out. Or if you're giving a piggy a piggyback ride. So the animals know how to hold on a little bit and balance themselves. Once they're doing that, it's, you're not carrying carrying. That's not included in the gazera of carrying. Because carrying means just carrying kalim and dead weight. So anything that's alive and, and, carry, and, and is going to hold on even a little bit, it's no longer carrying. And therefore, to take out the seer, whether you carried it or whether you walked it over, would not be would that be hotza? So, so, so that is interesting. So Rav Sheshis again says, well, the issue is not to walk it. Everybody agreed that's okay. But if it was sick and you had to carry it, so then that would be a problem. But that, again, Rabbi Nassim would hold that even carrying it when it's sick isn't the problem. Because Rabbi Nassim holds that Chai Nosei Because of the fact that it could, 
help you carry it, it would never be usher. That's what the Gemara is going to say now. The Gemara says, Afilu teima Rabbi Nasan chalashayni. Maybe you would say that even Rabbi Nasan who says, Schai no would say that if their animal is so sick that it's limp and it's not even helping you carry it, that it would have the din of uh, an inanimate object and it too would need to have the limud, right, of ishiti that afilu b'shabbos. Okay. Now the Gemara points out, Amar of Raphim, Zotomeret, Erev Hotzal l'shabbos, Ve'in Erev Hotzal l'yom ha'kippurim. A very interesting idea. Wait a minute. We are pointing out, by the very nature of the fact that we're pointing out, that this is something that it can be done on Shabbos, implies that we need a special limud for Shabbos, which which is to say that we would not have needed it were it Yom Kippur on a Tuesday, right? If Yom Kippur was on a weekday, we wouldn't need this limud. We only need this limud if Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos. Well, that certainly implies a big distinction between Yom Kippur and Shabbos. That, remember, on Yontiv, we don't have this problem, the same problem of carrying as we do on Shabbos. So is Yom Kippur treated like Yontif? That is certainly the implication of our Mishnah, of our Gemara. That's what Rav Raphim is saying. Rav Raphim is saying it sounds like Yom Kippur is like Yontif, where the carrying halachas are like Yontif and not like Shabbos. After all, right, it sounds like you don't have the issues of Erev and Hatzah on Yom Kippur based on our uh, Gemara. Now, the art school points out very importantly that the Gemara in Croesus, Yudalid, uh, actually refutes this. And the halacha is, in fact, that Yom Kippur, which we know is Shabbat Shabbaton, does have the Isser, Hotzah, and, um, the, the Hotzah and Erev, as Shabbos does. And that, in fact, is the uh, halacha in Shulchan Arach. So the halacha is connected this piece of the Gemara by Rav Raphim, this observation based on this idea that Ish Iti is Vafilu B'Shabbos, that's, uh, that, that is knocked out. That's not, right, normative halacha as codified in the Shulchan Aruch. Okay, so we said Afilu B'Shabbos, what about Tumah? Iti Vafilu B'Tumah. So Gemara asked, Lamai Hilchasa, wait a minute, why would you think Tumah would have anything to do with the Siyar Mishalech? So the Gemara says, Amar of Sheshes, Lomar She'im Nitma Mishalcho, as we already uh, pointed out, if the Ish Iti became Tameh, Amazingly, Nichnas Tame Lazara Mashalcho. He literally can walk into the Azara Tame. And, right, which normally you can't do. And because again, the coin Gadol has to hand it over. Because that's the, what the Pasuk says. That, that he goes to the place where it's considered Lifne Hashem. Lifne Hashem means that he has to enter the Azara. Betuma. After all of this, right, all of this purification that we're doing for that, uh, ironically, the Ish Iti can walk in Betuma. That is, is Big Chiddush indeed. Okay. So now that we've mentioned this, we're going to have a series of questions that they asked Rabbi Eliezer. Now, this Rabbi Eliezer is, um, was the Talmud, Rabbi Eliezer ben Uzziah, Hareani Keven Shivim Shana, the Talmud of Yochanan, the great Gadol Nehetzal, none other than Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. And so when he visited Bavel, right, he, everybody wanted to know, right, everybody wanted to know what was the Hak in the Yeshiva, what were they learning from the Gadol Ador Rabbi Yochanan? So Shalot Rabbi Eliezer, they asked him, Chala ma'u she'erkeveu al-chala. In other words, if the Sir Mishadach became sick, ma'u she'erkeveu al-chsefo. So we see what this series of questions is doing here. We're going to see Rabbi Eliezer, it was purposely evasive here. And we're going to explain why. But first they asked Rabbi Eliezer, what is the halacha? If, right, if in fact the Sir HaMishadach, this is sick, and you have to carry it, are you allowed to carry it um, on Yom Kippur, all the way to the cliff? So, He said, 
Ah, oh, the animal, he'll be fine. He's robust. He's enough to carry you and me both. What is he saying? Rashi. Bari v'chazak hayaseir. La'akiv otiv etchem alav. Yeah, the seer mishlech isn't going to be isn't going to be sick. It's going to be healthy as a horse, so to speak, or as a uh, right. What Rashi is pointing out here is he's doing the quintessential Jewish thing. He's asking, answering a question uh, with like a non sequitur, right? Uh, usually, Jews answer a question with a question. So Rabbi is being evasive. Rashi is explaining why is Rabbi being evasive, and not answering the question. The reason is going to be spelled out in the Gemara. Rashi doesn't want you to be confused now, so he's telling you already that the reason why he's doing so is because he does not want to say anything that he didn't hear directly from his Rebbe Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Lazar knew the answer to this question, but because this was not discussed explicitly in Shir by Rabbi Yochanan, he would not answer the question out of deference to Rabbi Yochanan. I have a little bit of a deeper shot in this. I think it may have some validity. We'll see as we go on. Let's first uh, see some more of these unusual exchanges with, uh, with Rabbi Lezer's evasive answers as follows. So they asked a second question. They said, what if the Ish Iti got, um, got sick? Could somebody else take over for him? So Rabbi Lezer answered, You and I should both be able to sleep in peace over this. What do we, what does this even mean? Rashi, unbelievable answer. He says, this doesn't affect either of us. So almost like he says, it's almost like he was saying, yeah, it's never going to happen. Just like the Seir is, is healthy as a horse, we could sleep easy. This is never going to happen to the Ish Iti either. Ritva explains that the Ish Iti was usually a rugged, uh, physical, right? In other words, after a what greater, he's doing, he's going 12 mil. You know, not everybody could do 12 mil fasting on Yom Kippur. They usually pick the, the same guys you pick for Hagba. Everybody knows when you look around the shul, who's going to get Hagba. It's the guy who's looking like pretty healthy right now. So that, that, those are the kind of guys that get picked for Ish Iti. So he said, don't worry about it. You could rest easy. Okay, still, again, he didn't answer the question, what would happen if he did get sick? And whether he could pass it over. The Chachamim are going to step in and answer what the actual halacha is, and we're going to see why he was evasive. But be that as it may, that was his answer. How about Chafa Velomais? What happens if you throw the Seir Mishlech? They ask, there's a third question they ask Rabbi Lezer. You see, you throw the Seir Mishlech off the cliff, gets to the bottom, rolls off, rolling, 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 gets to the bottom, and you hear, meh. He seems fine. He's grazing. So what do you do? Do you have to go down there and kill it now? He said, Halabai, may all your enemies go lost. It, again, uh, it seems that Pashup Shah would be, says, don't worry about it. Halavai, all our enemies could be thrown down by Sir Mishalech and survive like the Sir Mishalech. As we'll see in the next Mishnah, he was already blown to smithereens halfway down the cliff. So you don't have to worry about that. So that was essentially the answer. Uh, that's embedded in the evasive answer of Rabbi Lezer ben Azar, of Rabbi Lezer. Um, to which the Baraisa is now going to conclude and tell us the actual halacha on these three questions. That as unusual as this case would be, the halacha were the animal to get sick would be that the ish iti does in fact carry him on his shoulders. And if the ish iti himself gets sick, you can in fact uh, designate a second person, even though we said he's an ish iti and he should be designated beforehand. Um, in a pinch, you can get it. Um, you can give it to somebody else. Sure enough, if in the un- very, very unlikely event that this ear gets to the bottom uh, in one piece, you do have to actually go down there and kill him. Okay. 
Now, since we already mentioned these uh, strange evasive exchanges, let's do a few more that are not related between Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim as they questioned him and peppered him with questions. He was like the Shalmei for Rabbi Yochanan's Shir as follows. Shalos Rabbi Eliezer, they asked him, Plani, olam haba? Somebody was walking through the street and they said, what do you think is his status with regards to Olam Haba? So, Amar lahem, lo shaltuni el ploni. So he says, he pointed to a different guy and he said, perhaps you didn't mean him. Maybe you mean him. Tosfos has a whole uh, discussion of Rebbe Chanan. Also, the first line in Ploni Ma'olam Abba, Perish Rebbe Chanan, Tosfos quotes the Rebbe Chanan, Av Shalom Shabal Pilakshe Aviv Ma'ul Olam Abba. And this was not simple gossip when they're walking out in the shuk and they asked him what he thinks is going on behind closed doors with two different dudes in Shear. Rather, it's a halacha question with regards to Pilagesh. Av Shalom, um, took the Pilagshim of his father David. And the question is, well, if a Pilagish has the status of an Isha, so then Avshalom is doomed um, because that's an Aver of Ish. Whereas if a Pilagish has a different status, so then may not be the best thing to do, but maybe it would not be um, a- as big of a halachic problem. Okay. Furthermore, they asked him, What is halacha as far as a shepherd saving a lamb from lion? What, what does this mean? What's halacha? You asked me about the lamb. What about saving the shepherd from the lion? Forget about the sheep. So, so, so I'm sorry. You only asked about the lion, uh, about the lamb, which implied maybe you should ask me at the roe. So they actually followed suit and said, so yeah, good, good point. What about the roe? So, so he was evasive about that too. He says, now you ask me only on the road. So he's going back and forth. It's almost as if he's playing with them. First of all, what's this shepherd? Who is this Ari? So Tosfos here too, Ma'alatzil Kivshem Ari, has a development. The Ari is David Melech. The, the Lemela is Batsheva. And the shepherd is Uriah. And the question there too, this is, goes back to, right, the beginning of Brachos. Uh, right, Kolomar David, right, Chote, Eino Elatoe. But the question is, they were asking him, right? They have the, the, the star pupil of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai. They're asking him the, the, the deepest questions, according to, according to the Mepharshim. Was David Amelech, okay, should you save, right, the, 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 the lamb from David Amelech? Or was Uriah in the right? Was David in the right? What's going on? Was this halachically acceptable? Was, was Uriah Morid Bamalchus and therefore, um, subject to the din of, of Misa? Or was it okay for him to, the, technically Uriah was, uh, Moir Halacha in front of David Amelech and that's a form of Morid Bamalchus, uh, of Morid Bamalchus. He said Adoni. Um, not to David, and therefore, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. These are the kinds of questions that he, they're asking Rebbe um, Leazar, and Rebbe Leazar is being evasive in his answers. Okay, another question. Mamzer Mahuliresh. Can a Mamzer inherit his father? That's an interesting question. So he answered the question with a question. He said, Mahuli Yabim. Uh, let me ask you a different question. Let's say there's a Mamzer, right? In other words, a woman uh, has, right, has two children. And, but, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a woman has um, a, a husband, and the husband's brother, rather, has no children. So a woman has a husband. The brother of this husband, she married a brother of a mamzer. So, and that husband passed away. And now the only potential mayabim is a mamzer. Does he do yibum? It's a good question. So Rabbi Leezer takes their question about whether mamzer should be yorish and asks, and doubles down with a different question whether he should be mayabim. 
Okay, another question. Plastering one's house. Uh, it's customary, right, to leave a piece of, let's say, when you're renovating your house. To which he answers, He said, what about plastering a grave? So what is going on with all these things? Uh, with all these answers? Says the Gemara, He wasn't trying to, Rabbi Yisrael was evasive with all his answers, not because he wanted to mess with them. It's because he would never say anything unless he had heard it explicitly from his Rebbe, Rabbi Yochanan. So I just, I had a, a little bit of, 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 a, of a thought here that all of these things, they're asking him like the hawk. They're asking him like the standard hawk of like the things that were, they know the unanswerable questions. And I think you can read in Rabbi Yochanan's answers, in Rabbi Yochanan's answers rather, aside from the fact that he didn't want to say what Rabbi Yochanan didn't say explicitly, that the topic is deeper, right? He was talking of Rabbi Yochanan, the God Ador. The topic is so much deeper than what they ask. So for example, they're asking Zechel Chorban, do you keep a Zechel Chorban in your house? So, or the Mamzer. Oh, it, it is an issue whether he can Right, be Yorish. And yes, that's a common hawk question. But whether you can be Yabim is an even deeper question. If you know the answer to that question, you can know the answer to the other one. Similarly over here with the, with the, what we're talking about here with the Lassud and Beso. They're saying, do you have a Zechel Chorban by your house? He's saying, do you realize the Chorban is so profound that it doesn't matter now because of the Chorban Abayas whether we are Tomei Mace or not because we don't have to do anything Batara because Tomei Batara went out the window and therefore the whole purpose of having graves altogether and the plaster and the graves is unnecessary essentially, even though we have all the Minogim of Kohanim not going in, but it's unnecessary because we're all Tomei Mace anyways. So it's very profound, the effect of the Chorbon. And so in a sense, he was evasive. In another sense, he was also telling them that the sugya is much more deep and profound than they make it seem, just from a quick question and answer. Nine lines up from the wide, with a few minutes left. A good question, and Isha Chachama asked Rabbi Eliezer. But she's not going to get a good answer because uh, he was evasive on all these things. But the question here is, everyone who did Maisa Egel apparently did Maisa Egel in the same way, did the same Maisa. But we learn in the Psukim that they had all kinds of different, they had uh, uh, fates. Some died by the sword, some died by Gefa, some by, died by a disease called Hadrokan. So, Amar La, he said to her, He gave an evasive, and feminists would also say offensive answer, which is that you should probably be knitting. Um, you could look at the Mepharshim, uh, our school quotes the Meiri, to go into the depth of what he meant uh, by this answer. Be that as it may, um, the question is a good one indeed. Itmar, Rav Levi, there was a, there was a machlokas as to what the answer was, was here. Chad Amar, Zibach Vekiter Besayef, right? In other words, one of them said that in fact, was what? That, that it corresponded very well, because if you actually slaughtered a sacrifice, uh, to, to this, to the Chet Egel, then you were gonna get, uh, the punishment, right? You slaughter, you use the knife, you're gonna get the sword, uh, death penalty. Gipefanishek, if you're hugging and kissing the, the, the Egel, then Bemisa. So then that's more intimate and you're gonna get, uh, punished by a plague. And Samach Bilvavo, and if you were just like enjoying the whole hawk and chill of Cheta Egel, then you're gonna get the Hidrokan because that was an inward, ha- inward happiness. You're going to be punished with this inward kind of disease. Okay, so that was one shot. A more technical Litvish approach, a halachic approach. If you had Eden Vasar, you're going to get the sword, like Misa Bezim. 
Aidan Velasrab, if you had witnesses, but you didn't, they didn't give us straw, so you're going to get the Misa with plague. And Loid and Velasrab, Hidrokan. If you had neither, so you're going to get the more hidden one of the Hidrokan. A couple more minutes, I'll read Yehuda. Shifta Shalevi, Loava Devotus Kachavim. The Levi tribe didn't, were not included, right? The rest of the Pasuk is really the Iker, which is, The Hemshach of the Pasuk says that all Bnei Levi, they did not do the Chaita Egel. So that's challenged. Right, the Pasuk implies that some of the parents of the Levim did in fact participate. So Aviv Avi so the Rina answers no Aviv is Avi Imam Israel, Echav Echav Mimo Israel, Barabne Bisam Israel. When it says Aviv Echav, it just means by marriage, but it's not the actual parents, and therefore the actual Bnei Levi never did any of the Chet Egel, to which the Mishnah concludes uh, the Gemara Vecheves Asu Lo. And we talk The Mishnah said that they used to boo the Sierra Mishalech as he's being taken out to the cliff. And it says that the Bavliim used to boo them. But Rabbi Archana says that they were Alexandrium historically. They just called them Bavliim because they hated the Bavliim. So Tanya, the Bryce says, Rabbi Yossi, who was a Babylonian descendant, uh, slept better that night because he liked, he didn't like the fact that they were called Babylonians. Uh, he wanted to protect his heritage. And finally, Tolan said, the booing, Tana, my Shahit Din, they would say, why, what does it, why does this go delay? When the sins of the generations are many, meaning they're booing him, they say, hurry up, hurry up, the sins of the generation are many, may all of their sins be forgiven. We will continue tomorrow with the mission on the bottom of Samachvav Ahmed Bez. Uh,